Hey everybody, welcome to the Brian Ellis Show. Today I have Shelby Stanger. Really excited for you to listen to this episode. I hope it impacts you as much as it impacted me. Uh, Shelby's actually a local here to Cardiff, California, and that's where I live. So it was really cool to have a conversation with someone who's very like-minded and um, and just does a lot of the same things. We both love to surf, and she's passionate about how we can use the power of adventure to improve our mental well-being. So you can kind of see how we're kindred spirits. Um, she actually just recently came out with this new book, Will to Wild, Adventures Great and Small to Change Your Life. I would recommend that you buy this book. It is a phenomenal book. And she's also the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, Wild Ideas Worth Living, which she actually sold to REI Co-op in 2020. And she still hosts it every week. Um, her journalism work has appeared in publications like Outside Magazine, ESPN, CNN, the San Diego Tribune, and Surfer Magazine. And so... Uh, in between po- adventures and podcasts, Shelby consults with highly motivated individuals and brands to tell better stories and to even launch their own podcasts and wild ideas. So today we're not just going to talk about her book, but we're going to talk a little bit about her journey with surfing, pursuing wild ideas. She's also um, a TEDx talk speaker, and you can find her TEDx talk online. I'll add a link here as well on the podcast for you to click on it and listen to it as well. Um, but I hope you enjoy this episode. Also, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. For those of you who have never left a review, if you leave a review, screenshot it, and send it to me on Instagram, I will send you a free gift, and it's a cool gift. And I'm still doing the promotion with my new book, Hello, My Name is Failure. For anyone who buys the book and leaves a review on Amazon, I will refund you the money for the book. Um, this helps boost the book on the Amazon algorithm and help spread and push the message to other people who could really use it. And I'm really excited for you to read this book. This was a passion project. Took me three and a half, four years to make. You'll see why that's funny once you see how small this book is, but it was a, it was a labor of love. And so it's been really exciting to hear your guys's feedback and to hear how the book has impacted your lives. So Uh, Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, and buy and review the book. And now to Shelby Stanger. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Brian Ellis Show. Today I have a special guest. We have Shelby Stanger. I said that right. You said it right. Stanger, awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on my show. It's funny, I I found Shelby on Instagram. I was following, following one of my friends and... She uh, reshared, I think, your TED talk. Oh, and cool. I was like, "Who's this lady?" I was like, "Oh, she surfs." I'm like, "Oh, she lives in San Diego." Like my type of people. I'm down the street. I'm your neighbor. That's fantastic. And you say so I live here in Cardiff, and you were born and raised in I Cardiff. I went to this school down the street, and I hadn't driven past it since I was a little girl. And it really, it brought back all the feels, the wow. good feels. That's crazy. And so, do you you live in Encinitas now, right? Or I live Encinitas in Solana Beach, which is just a city over from yeah, you. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, cool. Wow. So I'm super excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I think one of the reasons I wanted to have a conversation is because I love talking to people who live unique lives. And what I mean by that is they don't seem to be stuck in this rat race or living their life to complete assignments or check off a list of boxes that society says they need to do. I like to talk to people who are like, I want to do this, so I'm just going to go do it. And I'm not going to think through every obstacle and challenge. I'm just going to go do it. And and part of your story from listening to your TED Talk is you moved to Costa Rica, was it? 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of like wild ideas. I'm obsessed with them, but I, like you, I'm also obsessed with people who've taken this path less traveled, yeah. but made it happen. Yeah. And you know, that path can be windy and it can zig and zag. And sometimes you go the wrong way, but it's an adventure. And like, that's what I'm after. I love that. So tell me a little bit about your, your journey. Tell me a little bit about, um, what got you onto the, the concept of will to wild will to wild is the book we're also going to be discussing. That's the book that she published. And, um, but, but the, your, your idea of, um, pursuing these types of things, like when did that start and how, what was your journey with that? I think ever since I was a little girl, I was obsessed with, you know, adventures and people who took a different path. But as a kid, I found nature and adventure to be really cathartic. Yeah. You know, I was a soccer player growing up. I ran track. And when I was 11 years old, my father died suddenly of a heart attack. And it mm. sucked. It was just sudden. And he was a dentist. And he had no life insurance. Like, nothing. Mm. And, you know, our, he was, we were, you know, a decent family, middle class in, in Cardiff-by-the-Sea, California. Everybody knew my dad. He was really philanthropic. And it was a big deal. And my mom was a single mom. She taught at San Diego State University. And so that summer she sent me to surf camp, but it wasn't just any surf camp. It was like a water sports camp and you would water ski, surf, sail, kayak. And then in the afternoon you do all those things. And, you know, my mom was a social worker and a social work professor. So she taught me about therapy and how to deal with my feelings. But I got a lot more answers like in the water surfing wow. than I ever got on land, like in a therapist's office or anywhere else. I think nature just has this way of one, it forces you to meditate. Yeah. Two, it tricks you because it's really fun and you're surfing. And then, you know, when you stand on a wave, even if you like me have terrible style, but like an epic <laughs> smile, you know, you gain this amazing boost of endorphins and it's scary. So you get courage from yeah. doing it. And there's a lot of chances to experience on. I didn't know any of this when I was a little kid. I just thought it was awesome. It was really different than playing soccer, which has rules and lines and a green grass field yep. and not a vast open ocean with dolphins and creatures that can also kill you. Yeah. But it's amazing. And then flash fast forward to a couple years later, I ended up teaching surfing at an all woman surf school that was started by my favorite camp counselor at that camp. Wow. And it was pretty gorilla. It was called surf diva. It's the first all woman's surf school. Now it's like this amazing organization. But when, when we first is this started, in, is this in Costa Rica? In La Jolla, actually. Oh, La Jolla. They also have wow. one in Costa Rica, which okay. is how I got there. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, I would teach, you know, we had these weekend long clinics or week long clinics and women would come from all over. They would come to La Jolla, we would push them into waves at Loy Shores and then eventually they would learn to paddle out and catch them themselves, similar to the board that you're going to go teach your friend on mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And after someone caught their first wave, like first of all, that feeling of helping push someone into their first wave was a really good feeling just for me. Mm -hmm. But secondly, like it would change their life. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks after someone would come for just a weekend or a week long clinic, they'd call me and they'd say like, Shelby, I quit my job or I'm moving across the country to a place finally with an ocean or wow. they were getting out of a bad relationship or starting a business or doing this radical thing. And then their life would continue to improve. Wow. And so I think I became inadvertently obsessed with this concept of doing adventures out in nature. Mm. And so I studied journalism in college. I ended up becoming an adventure journalist. I also worked for a bunch of adventure companies from 
Vans, which is a skateboard company, um, consulted with Prana and Body Glove. Then in 2016, I... There was no podcast talking about adventure that was interviewing both men and women mm. and talking about action and outdoor sports. So I started one called Wild Ideas Worth Living that I ended up uh, partnering with and then selling to REI. And I still host that show that led me to the book that led me to that TED talk that kind of led me to talking to people like you. Wow. But I'm obsessed with people who just use adventure and nature as a catalyst to change their life. I love that. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to change your life right now. Like what we do, and we do ice baths. We do all, there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah. You can take stuff, you can have an experience. But I think if you have an experience that involves an adventure, but then couple it with nature, mm -hmm. I think it can create a real positive change. Wow. And that change will just keep going. Yeah, I love that. There And there's something, there is something interesting about surfing and being in the water and you're incorporating a lot of things like in California, the water's cold. So you're, inco you're incorporating cold water therapy. Yeah, you know, I've tried to cry in like a cold bath or cold water. You can't, it's like, hard. I can't physically cry. It's pretty hard. I think your body doesn't let you. Like, yeah. You can't be sad because your body's yeah. just trying to survive and stay warm. It is, it's weird. I've gotten mad in ice before. Like I've gotten an ice bath and I'm just like all this emotion comes up and you're like, but it's interesting because being in cold forces you to be present with the moment and with, with, with technology, social media and all these things, it's so easy to become focused and fixated on everything else that it's hard to center and to fixate. And for some reason, surfing does that. You can't be thinking about work when you're on a wave, when you're riding a wave, you can't think about anything else other than this, the euphoria of the experience and your technique, your movement, the fun you're having. And yeah, I'm a big fan of, of surfing. So what made you, so you, you worked at this, uh, surf retreat and then you moved to Costa Rica. Oh, yeah. So basically I worked at Vans for years and uh -huh. I quit my job in 09 to be this journalist. But then my friend Izzy who owns Surf Diva and is wonderful was like, Hey, why don't you come teach surfing for me in Costa Rica? And I was like, yeah, my mom who sent me to Emory would <laughs> absolutely kill me. That's so irresponsible. Mm. Then she reminded me like, Shelby, that's why you quit your job. Yeah. Go do these things. And so I moved to Costa Rica for part of the year and I still kept a place here. And, you know, I was able to work from Costa Rica. This was early days of Skype. Mm -hmm. It was a little um, makeshift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> didn't all, Skype didn't always work. The power would go out sometimes. But, you know, when you're an outdoor guide, it's a really cool position because people would come from all walks of life and you're in charge of their life. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the one job, I mean, ski instructor, any of these jobs that you have that are outdoor instructor, where you get to interact with someone who would, in other situations, possibly be your boss. Yeah. And then you have their life in your hands, but also you get to help them create some of their most memorable moments that change their life. Wow. So I taught surfing in Costa Rica, and then on the side, I consulted with like Nike and some other brands to make money. But it That's was cool. probably the best job of my life. Like, Pushing women and men into waves in Costa Rica. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's hard to teach too. Like I, I realized, because I've, I've been surfing for several years and then I was like, oh, you know, I have friends and I want to teach them to surf. And then you're like, oh, this is a whole different thing. Teaching people to surf is a skill in itself. Yeah, I don't, I don't really teach too much anymore because I'd rather just surf and yeah. you know, I'm older, but um, I teach my niece and nephews, they're, they're younger. But you're basically a psychologist as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like a hairdresser. Yeah. And sometimes you have to help women get out of their own heads or mm -hmm. men. And it's really interesting. I found that the people that are the most athletic badasses are usually terrible surfers at first because they just expect to be good mm -hmm. and they're not. 
Yeah. Um, Mother Nature always wins. Yeah. And we would have students who had absolutely no athletic background and they had no expectations for themselves. And they would just get up on the first wave of the day, yeah. run it all the way to shore and la-di-da-di-da, life was yeah. good. It's so funny. I uh, I took my little brother and little sister to Santa Cruz to do surf lessons. And the, the, the I hired an instructor because I'm like, we'll hire someone who's a pro at this to teach them how to jump up on waves. And, and she was teaching them how to pop up. And she was walking them through this whole process. And I'm like, when you're out in the water and the wave, you feel the wave catch, you're not thinking through this five, seven step process on how to get up. You're just like, oh, holy shit. Like I got to get, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I kind of pulled them aside and I was like, forget everything she said about the pop up. When the wave catches you, just figure out how to get to your feet. And they're like, okay. I was like, don't, don't think of all those steps she's telling you. Just get to your feet somehow. Yeah. Cause I'm like, you're coordinated. You guys are athletic. Just get to your feet. Don't overthink it. Totally. Waves came. They caught their first wave. The wave comes and they just stumble up and they go. And it's like, yeah, now maybe the third time we go out, I'm like, now think about planting your back foot yeah. and then planting your front foot and then turning. But but it's so funny because yes, yeah, surfing, it's like, yeah, you, you take people who are super analytical and they're, oh, I snowboard, I skateboard, I do all this stuff. And they <laughs> exactly. get on and they're like, why am I falling? Why can't I balance myself on this board? It's like, this is a different sport, you know? And, but I love it because it is mother nature is like, and you can do, you can have such a good surf session. And then the next day you have a garbage surf session. And there's so many lessons to learn from all that because so each wave's different. Learn. Yeah. And yeah. Sometimes you can be out there for hours and you catch like, no way. Yeah, yeah. Or one wave. Yeah. And you have to learn to be patient and present. And I think what's so cool about sports like surfing, rock climbing is another sport really mm. forces you to be present. Another cool thing about rock climbing, which is very similar to surfing, is you have to get really comfortable with failure. Mm. And that's something that, you know, you weren't afraid to fail when mm. you started this, or maybe you were afraid, but you did it anyway. Yeah. You know, you, you can act even though you're scared, you still go. Yeah. You just do it scared. Totally. Um, but surfing and, and rock climbing force you to confront failure because you fall and you get back up. You fall, you get back up. Yeah. Ideally, you're attached to ropes if you're rock climbing. But Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good lesson, especially for kids to learn. Totally. You can learn that young, cool. If not, you're learning it old, great. And if you're starting old, it's great too because it's really great to suck at something. You know, we do a lot of things that we're good at. Yeah. It's really fun to do something that you're awful at. And I yeah. guarantee if you try surfing and you've never been on a surfboard, you're yep. going to suck. I love that. And that's a novel fun thing. That's actually why I'm doing deep end fitness, this underwater workout that you saw me on Instagram. See, doing. we got to talk about that. I'm excited to hear I your perspective. I suck at it. And it's so joyful. You know, there's very, I've done a lot of things in my life. I'm in my forties now and it's really fun to be just the worst person in the group, yeah. in the place. It's humbling. And I have no expectations for myself. The pressure is off. It's novel and new. And as humans, mm. we really crave and do well with novelty. Mm -hmm. So my brain is just loving it. I love that. I For those of you who don't know, deep uh, deep and fitness, think of CrossFit, but underwater. Like, it's basically like, what's that, like 15 kind feet like, deep? <laughs> it's kind of like, well, I think the Oceanside Pool is 15 foot deep. The La Jolla Pool is 12 feet. Okay. But it's a underwater workout that yeah. was originally designed, I think, to help prepare people for like Navy SEAL training. Mm -hmm. And then it was adopted. I'm guessing it was adopted by CrossFitters. I'm probably telling this story wrong, but now it's sort of a workout that's appealing to free divers and surfers and lifeguards and anybody who loves the water mm -hmm. that wants to have an experience 
dealing with their nervous system yeah. underwater. And so you, you know, there's different exercises. So like last week we held our breath for 15, 20, 30, 60 seconds, and then had to swim underwater for as far as we could for as long as we could. Wow. And we dove down to the furthest, deepest part of the pool, which was 12 feet, mm. grabbed a weight, had to walk across the pool and back. But we did it with partners and it was, it was fun. And your nervous system the whole time is like screaming at you being like, oh my God, let me out of here. I need to breathe. Get yeah. up, get up. And you have to tell your body to calm down yeah. and focus on the here and the now. And I was thinking about your comment about the ice bath. You're forced to be present in the ice bath, but nothing forces you to be present than being underwater, yeah. wanting to breathe. And afterwards... I just feel the most zen that I've ever felt. I feel oh, I so bet. calm. Yeah. But it does blast your nervous system. Oh my a bit. God. You know it's funny. They they there, there was a study that was released that showed because they 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 attached all these brain scans to these people doing like ice bath, uh, Wim Hof therapy. Your brain can't differentiate the difference between emotional stress and physical stress. So when you get really good at putting yourself in physically stressful situations and learning to be calm and regulated, then when you face emotionally stressful things, your brain also has that muscle to tap into that. It's funny. I've been doing all this physical stressful things so that I could be like less afraid nervous system wise yeah. when I'm on hold with customer service agents. Oh my, I bet that's nice. Yeah. But it doesn't really, it's, it hasn't translated yet. I do notice that I sleep better. I'm more focused. I'm mm. more present. I'm calmer. I love I that. Would, I would say I'm a work in progress. Yeah. And I think it takes time, right? Like it, and it's that consistency, but I, I, I do, I, I love what you're saying about putting yourself in stressful situations and learning to be calm and focused. And yeah, underwater, I mean, surfing when you're beginning, it's just learning how to manage chaos because you go out there and it's just, it just feels violent. Like when you get wiped out for the first time, tumbling, tumbling, when we go surfing, if you eat shit and roll, it's just like, ah, say say different day, you know, the same shit, different day. You get back on your board and you paddle out. But when you're learning to surf that first time you get, you get rolled, you're like, oh my God, this is terrifying. But as a surfer, you learn to relax when you're getting tossed and thrashed and you learn to, you know, hold your breath and relax. And so I love that you're doing all these other things. Cause yeah, underwater fitness, I love that they have lifeguards underwater watching you to make sure you don't black out. Yeah. It's pretty be, safe. It's that'd be terrifying. It seems, it seems safe to me. I mean, there's just people watching you. There's a lot of people around. You're in a pool. You're not yeah. in the middle of the ocean yeah, where there's, you know, more chances of things going wrong. Totally. Um, but it's been fun, but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in, in lots of different kinds of adventures. And I think, you know, if you're listening, you're like, I'm never going to do that. That's fine. I'm never going to climb Mount Everest, mm. but we all have our own Everest to climb. And I think when you do an adventure, it helps you one, you have to face your fear and that builds courage. But when you couple that with doing it outside in nature, there's like this crazy synergistic effect. Totally. We know, you know, outside in nature, our nervous systems calms down, our immunity boosts, we're able to make better decisions, uh, creativity enhances, there's more chances for flow. And I think so much of our life, as you were saying, is predictable. Like mm -hmm. we can pretty much predict anything with our cell phones. In nature, so much can happen that's unpredictable. You could be in the water and a dolphin could leap. You could be on a trail and see a bird swoop down and grab a worm or a snake, or you could just see a really cool tree. And that kind of unpredictability leads itself to an emotion that I really love 
called awe. Mm. And awe is this emotion that, you know, scientists are studying it more and more, but there's no pill that does what awe does for me. Mm. So I could have been in a bad mood uh, having sat in traffic or having dealt with AT&T on customer service mm. or maybe <laughs> another company, Blue Shield. And <laughs> if I all of a sudden then go out for a surf and see a dolphin leap or a magical sunset, it stops me in my tracks. Mm. And immediately... I soften, I forget about my bad mood and I feel small and more connected to other people around me. I don't know. There's, there's just no emotion like it. Yeah. So when you do an adventure and it builds courage and you're doing it in nature, there's just this crazy magical potion that helps catapult you yeah. to think about things differently and maybe get out of your own way so you can do the things that you really want to do on land, off the trail. How would you encourage somebody who feels stuck in their everyday life, the routine? They don't live near the ocean and they're, they, they wouldn't call themselves courageous or adventurous type people, but they're like, I feel like I'm stuck in a rut. Like life feels like a routine and I need something to get out of my box. What would you encourage them to do? I'd say the first thing that you should do is if you can drive somewhere and see stars and oh. look up, do it. Okay. Because when you look up, and you see a vast sky of stars, mm -hmm. you get a whole new perspective on where you are in this weird universe mm. with all these rules we make up. And mm -hmm. you realize it's all made up and your routine is all made up and everything else is made up. And it just might give you a new perspective. I like so that. Just go somewhere mm -hmm. where you either see a horizon. So either go to a mountain where you can go to the top and look out into a beautiful, vast horizon mm -hmm. or go to somewhere where it's dark and you can see stars clear like night. It. All you need is like a couple of stars. Yeah. Look up. What, why do you think people are afraid to pursue some of these adventurous ideas? I mean, I'm afraid of pursuing these adventurous ideas. I think the biggest thing that keeps holding people back from some of these is, you know, fear of the unknown in nature. A lot of us didn't grow up camping or hiking or, you know, outdoor education isn't taught in schools. Yeah. I didn't have outdoor education in my school. My family didn't camp. They didn't hike. They thought, you know, going to a hotel near the beach was like the closest I was going to get to camping. I was lucky to have gone to this amazing water sports camp. And if you have Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or something like that, I think there's um, outdoor guides. There's all sorts of groups for kids. If you can get them into it, mm -hmm. great. But I think money is a big thing that keeps people like totally. people think it's expensive, mm. but in reality, adventure is really not expensive. Like yeah. going to dinner is expensive now mm -hmm. or going, you know, on a really an elaborate vacation could be expensive, but adventure could be anything you want it to be. Like you have a whole book about adventures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because, yeah, it's like we, we grew up in the in Oklahoma um, where, you know, it's pretty boring and not much to do. And it'd rain, it'd be stormy. We'd grab inner tubes and go float down, you know, storm drains. That sounds amazing. That yeah. sounds so fun. <laughs> yeah. And like, we would just find stuff to do that was just like, yeah, we like being adventurous. And as an adult, I think it's fun to just, I encourage people a lot who, especially if you get stuck in a routine, you know, on a Monday morning, you're going to go to work. Instead of driving the same route to work, take a different route. Just even if it's changing it up a little bit, when you're going to go to lunch, go to a different place. Don't go to Chipotle or the same food that you always know you like. Go to a genre of food that you've never been to before and mix that up. Uh, you know, talk to a coworker that you've never talked to before, even if it's just two questions. Like 
this aspect of novelty and bringing adventure into your life can be so subtle. Like, like you're saying, it can be, it can be cheap. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be skydiving or surfing in the ocean. It can be just like, how can I mix up my life just a little bit to get me unstuck from this routine that I'm usually in? Yeah. And if you could go somewhere where you can stay in a camp or a glamp site, mm-hmm. the cool thing is there's so many apps and sites that have opened up that allow you to stay in like, if you're terrified of a tent mm. outside, there's these glamp sites all over. Yeah. There's a site called Hip Camp where you can re- you can go camp on, I guess it's alternative to a campsite. Yeah, like some people's property, yeah, some people reserve property. some of their land. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people have extra land from like a bet that they made in like the 1800s. It's crazy. <laughs> and they've been able to rent part of their land or uh-huh. convert it. They've built a tiny house on it or maybe a cool tent. And they've partnered with this company called Hip Camp. And you can find these really unique properties for really inexpensive prices. Yeah. Stay there for the night and have an experience. Yeah. You can do that and then go back to work the next day. Johnny and I really wanted to camp at least once in 2023 and we uh-huh. hadn't done it. So a couple of weeks ago, we found a campsite in Laguna Mountains. It only took an hour and a half to get there. Mm. We camped. We left at like 5 p.m., got there, camped, had dinner, slept under the stars, froze, woke up, drove home, had a coffee. We were stoked. We were like, that was a radical experience. Love and that. You made it right back for work. Yeah, I love that. Tell me about your book. What inspired you to write it? And tell us a little bit about it. Um, I always wanted to write a book ever since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I think I wanted to write a memoir, but I'm like, I don't know what I've done that I could write a whole book about. Totally. All the people are still alive in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, really, there's a lot of books out there about adventure. But I didn't read one that, like, told you how to have an adventure hmm. and what to do when stuff went wrong and how to get over fear of failure and imposter syndrome and what a trail angel was, is, which is, like, a really important part of the book and mm-hmm. something that I didn't even know about. Um, so... In 2016, I started this podcast, Wild Ideas Worth Living, that REI now owns and I still host. And I've interviewed so many people, so many different types of adventures from both my journalism experience, my business experience, and then this podcast. And I wanted there to be a guidebook that told you how to have an adventure, but with advice and tips. And I'm a little ADD, so I'm not always going to read a book from front to all the way to the end. So I wanted there to be sections that had advice that was quick. So you could just turn to the page and you're like, what do I do? Just read this section. Mm. And so I divided it into basically how to go from wild idea to actually having the will to go live out this idea in the wild. And there's a really wide, a wide array of, of examples from, you know, Alex Honnold who free sold El Capitan and is one Mm -hmm. of the most famous rock climbers in the world to People you've never heard of, but they're just as fascinating to a 91 year old Holocaust survivor, to a group of grandmas who boogie board three times a week, um, to this person who was very outdoorsy and is a really great photographer, but put on drag one day and decided he would become the biggest drag outdoor drag queen, Patagonia. So there's there's just a lot of different examples of people. Um, There's some pretty badass adventures and adventures like you and I. To show that you can go live out a wild idea if it's wild to you. And that's all that matters. Yeah. What's one of your top five favorite adventures that you've been on? I would say it's my least favorite, but most memorable. Let's hear that one. Um, That sounds fun. The Amazon 
Okay, is that the one you talked about in your TED Talk? Did I, yeah, I did talk about my TED Talk. I'm excited to hear it again. You tell, tell us but, about that one. So I was invited in 2011 to be part of this crew that was going to be the first to stand up paddle down this remote portion of the Amazon River in Peru. Wow. And the person who was supposed to go just decided not to go. And I was the very last resort backup. <laughs> so the other person was like a pro paddle boarder. And yeah. then there was me. Oh, no. <laughs> It wasn't scary in the sense that the paddle was hard. I think yeah. anybody could have stood on a stand-up paddle board and floated down a river. But we just didn't know what was in this river. Like, mm. were there going to be piranhas? Were there going to be caimans, which are these alligators that are down there? Were there going to be insects that, like, ate us alive? And I wasn't prepared. I was prepared for insects. I had DEET. I had all this toxic stuff that I would never use on my body today, but I didn't know better then. Mm. And uh, the Amazon bugs just didn't care about... They're like, ooh, seasoning. Yeah, they thought it was great. So I I thought I was going to wear a bikini and look cute for photographers. Like, that was a big mistake. Um, I ended up wearing, like, hiking pants to battle in. Um, It was just a really amazing adventure because there's nowhere in the world that's, like, so untrammeled by man as parts of the Amazon are. Mm, and there's imagine. just like trees going on top of trees. Just everything grows. It's so lush there. And, you know, the paddle was, it was pretty miserable conditions, but they were comical. So there was mm. a time where there was a vulture that was watching me as I was going to the bathroom in the middle of the jungle, which is an unpleasant experience in itself. I can imagine. And uh, the vulture started looking at me like he'd never <laughs> seen a human in his life. I don't even know if the vulture was a woman or a man. Yeah. And um, kept sticking his neck out at me like it was like a New Jersey frat boy being like, you want some of this? <laughs> and I didn't know if it was going to come eat me. And I'm like mid yeah. going to the bathroom. Yeah. That was terrifying. Um, a caiman, a little mini crocodile, did chase our photographer off of his board. We had no off idea the board. why he was running across a riverbank. But apparently it came in chased him to the bank and he just ran across. It didn't do anything to him. It's good. He's fine. Um, but at one point we rounded this corner into a cove and the cove had this thing called a clay lick, which is this giant cliff composed of clay that birds feed off. And when our paddles hit the water, the sounds of our paddles hitting the water sent hundreds of these birds flying into the air. And these weren't just any birds. These were wild macaws. So they were, you know, blue-bellied, gold-headed, scarlet-beaked. It's just a mix of colors. And it looked like a rainbow in the sky. It was so beautiful. And I'll never forget that moment. Wow. And I think that moment, just there was so much awe. I felt so small. I felt so connected to so many other people who just say, make it, make it, make it. So the first piece of advice, sorry, I might have told the story wrong. I asked him first, what do I do when I get held underwater and I'm scared? He said, sing a happy song. Okay. Sing That's why I picked the wrong song. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Second song, you know, second piece of advice was make it, make it, make it. Um, so yeah, I paddled for this wave and I just kept saying, make it, make it, make it. You're my sunshine, my only sunshine. Mm-hmm. Make it, make it, make it. I'm paddling and paddling. The wave juts up and for like a nanosecond goes over my head and I just figured I was going to fall and somehow I didn't fall and you got barreled. I got like, I don't even know if I call it barreled, like I covered up. (laughs) You got some shade. It was the most magical experience ever. Wow. And then when I was done with that wave, I'm like, damn, I wish a photographer could have caught that. Yeah. And all of a sudden I saw a hand shoot up from the ocean 
and it was a photographer with water housing <gasps> attached to his camera and I had no idea he was in the water and he caught it on film and <sighs> I shared that picture with everybody. I actually sent it home uh, from the boat to like 10 people and like three days later the captain was like, Shelby! And I was like, what's up? And he's like, that cost me like thousand dollars to send that photo oh no <laughs> you know this was before wi-fi yeah yeah starlink yeah. and all these things oh my god to send yeah. photos but yeah i sent the photo to everybody and i was pumped that's so exciting yeah so that that trip was really cathartic for me um i recently took my mom on a trip to hawaii we didn't really do much of anything, but we went to an Elvis show. We went swimming and we made ourselves into sand corn dogs, which is where you jump in the water and then you roll around in the sand. Mm -hmm. We hiked Diamond Head. She walks like a turtle. She's 76, oh. but she's adorable. Yeah. And we had so much fun. And I was inspired by this guy I worked with a couple of years ago named Jesse Itzler. And he breaks down a lot of things into time. And he was like, hey if the average person lives until about 80 and your parents are 70 and you see your parents twice a year, you've got 20 visits left with them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that message really stuck with me. And immediately I was like, mom, let's, let's go to Hawaii. And her mom had lived in Hawaii. And when her mom passed away, we had this beautiful ceremony and threw her ashes into the water. And afterwards I went surfing. And so we also took a, a little outrigger canoe into the water and, threw flowers into the water in honor of my grandma. And then I went yeah. surfing and it was just a really cool trip. I love that. What's, what's next for you? People keep asking that. And, um, I wish I had a really good answer. There's a really big blank canvas right now. And it's so almost more exciting right now. I have like a couple of irons in the fire mm -hmm. that may or may not pan out, but I'm open to receiving, What's next? I thought I was just going to become a speaker and do a big speaking tour. And I do want to continue to speak, but I think I want to do more of this trail angel trail magic mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. and help other people with their wild ideas. I'm so excited. When I was a, a kid, I played soccer and I was a goalie and I really like, you know, I, I like having a team in front of me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm okay being the weirdo in the back that takes all the blame or gets all the glory, but I miss working with a team. So I don't know. I think my next endeavor is going to have more people involved. I love that. Yeah. That's cool. Who knows? Maybe we'll go surfing and something else happens. Oh my God. I, I really want to get barreled. That's one of the things I want to do. I think you should. Maybe yeah. you should try going to these wave pools. I have actually. So I actually, sp I actually spent about six months trying to get barreled and I finally made it to Nicaragua to where there was a barreling wave. I made it inside a few barrels and I didn't make it out. You went to Popoyo. I went to Thunderbomb. Oh, amazing. Yeah. It was heavy wave. Yeah, that like, is heavy. People you should were, go to Popoyo. Is that, is that a good one? i that you could go to Panama and there's like softer barrels. The shelter was, yeah, I need a softer barrel. Cause yeah, Thunderbomb was like, people's boards were snapping. People at one guy fractured, uh, split his collarbone in half. That sounds and, terrifying. And I was like, I think I'm done. I'm just going to catch these waves for fun. But I also, most of my life have, have longboarded and I love longboarding because I love like learning how to cross step and balance. And I think that's fun. And I, I just started getting more into shortboarding, but it's a totally different movement with your body. It's like one, you don't stand straight up when you get up on a, no. on a shortboard. And so it, it's like, and I, I sometimes forget that. So when I pop up on a shortboard, I'm like all the way up and I'm like, this is not good. And then I'm more in the crouch attack position. And, uh, and so, um, but I got into a few bear. I'll show you a picture. I what got into boogie board. I know that sounds like not a few people cool, have recommended that. No, people have recommended that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good way to learn to get barreled. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I also think I haven't been, 
Like I've only been in a position to really get barreled one or two days. And then that was it. So I even think now with some of my mid-length boards or I have like a little hypno crypto, I'm like, I'm like, I, I feel like if I was in a place that had consistent barrels, I feel like within a matter of weeks, I'd be inside the barrels. Um, but like, I, I don't go to La Jolla. I, I went to horseshoes once or twice. That wave was so heavy. And I was like, I, I'm not going to do it. It's so sketchy. And so I think the bigger thing is like, I just need to get, I need to go to a wave that barrels and get more familiar with that because like here at, at pipes they don't barrel unless it's like massive massive i would you know? go wave pull yeah fast. well that's true i you could do that too they just built one in palm springs yep there's three being built too i'm there. like that's crazy our neighbor does wave park development oh does they oh, that's so full-time cool. job oh, i love that it's crazy how can people um hear more about you so you have your book will to wild uh can they, they get on amazon i saw it at, at uh, barnes and noble you the other day will to wild anywhere books are sold amazon Great. you can go to rei you can go to barnes and noble and i'm easy to find i'm just shelby stanger shelby stanger.com shelby stanger on instagram i have a little newsletter and then one more time your podcast name my podcast that i do for rei is called wild ideas worth living okay and great. then i have another one called vitamin joy that's about the intersection of mental health oh wow wellness and adventure and that one i'm really passionate about it's been on hold it might it might resurface in 2024 okay we'll see we'll be on the lookout for that vitamin joy um go go grab her book she just gave me a copy wilt wild i'm excited to dive into it it's got a cool picture of this tent in the middle of a snow-capped mountain in that tent in the arctic oh my I god i fought that cover but it's a really sweet looking cover it is a pretty I tried to get cover. them to put a surfer on the front but Ooh, that'd you know, be cool too honestly it's all good As, what did your publisher say like no we want this instead the, the publisher won <sighs> simon schuster won but that's okay freaking you know, publishers wild ideas are or sometimes you got to be flexible and surrender. That's and true. I, I think, you know, if I can leave the audience with one thing is like nature, one of the best lessons she teaches you is, is you have to surrender. Yeah. Like if you fight the wave, you're going to lose. Yeah. You have to surrender and go with the wave. I love that. Um, and that's a good lesson for all of us. Yeah. I feel like, thanks for having a conversation with me. Yeah. Thank I, you for I, having I, me. I think it's, it's really, it's really interesting. And I think it's, it's cool. And I feel like, I feel like people will be inspired to go on their own adventures and to take that leap and, um, hearing about your life. And I'm excited to get to know you even more and just hear about the adventures you're going to be doing and hear about the adventures you have done. But I, I, I love that you haven't lived just a normal life. Like you go after <laughs> these you. ideas and you go after things and, and it takes so much bravery to surf big waves. Like well I'm not there yet. Well, but the, the waves that you were surfing in Bali, you're talking about. Like, no, they were, they were like, they were definitely over my head and I was 29 and I think at 43, it's, it's different. Like every time I go surf and the waves are big, my bodies are saying like, you should be raising children right <laughs> yeah. now. You should not be out here. It, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and there are women in their forties that are charging big waves and yeah. I admire them and look up to them and I want to study their brains. Oh my God. <laughs> but, um, it is something I enjoy and I really just enjoy playing in the ocean and playing in nature. I think it's, I think all of us could use to play more mm -hmm. and nature provides the perfect playground to do it. That's true. I couldn't agree more. Thank well, you, cool. Ryan. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on my show again. And um, yeah, guys, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Go look up Shelby Stanger on Instagram. Go buy her book, look at her podcast, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.